Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our, and from our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't do it often, but sometimes I do bring attention to the artwork for the bulletins that we have, and so I want you all to take a quick look at that. Do you all, do you all pay attention to these things? And kind of nice little touch uh, what we have for these. Um, Every Sunday, we have a piece of art on the bulletin that has something to do with the texts, primarily the gospel for the day. And uh, I want to draw your attention to this. Um, You see a depiction of the ten lepers that are gathered, and they are crying out, Lord, have mercy to Jesus. Some people may not like this. There's been other times when we've had other discussions on this about we say, oh, pastor, that's just a little, it's a little much for Sunday for church because at church I'd like to come and I'd like to not have to think about gross things like this. But I mean, it is worth looking at this picture, this drawing to see, especially the, uh, the man that's in the foreground uh, right? That's the one that's closest to us, I believe, right? That his hand that grabs his cloak looks like it's missing something. It's missing some fingers, isn't it? Y'all know what happens with that kind of, with, with this, specific, uh, this specific disease, that um, leprosy is actually a uh, bacterial uh, bacterial excuse me, a bacterial infection. It's uh, something that corrupts the flesh and it attacks, uh, I think it, it can attack things like the lungs, the heart, but, my, but majorly it attacks the, the, neuro, the nervous system. It causes, it causes neurological disease. So that someone like like this man who is, uh, who's holding himself together with what he has left of his hand, the fingers that he's lost have rotted off. Now you say, Pastor, that's going a little bit too far. I don't want to hear about that on Sunday. But it's very interesting because it's not a painful thing for them. That it causes damage to their nerves to the point where their fingers and their toes and, their, and even their noses are rotting off their face, and they don't even feel it. It's not painful. It doesn't hurt. And in a lot of ways, we can see that this is a, this is a, a good reason why in the Old Testament they had laws about cleanliness, right? That if you had the disease of... of, of, of Leprosy, you were counted as not clean. If anybody came near you, you had to shout to them, not clean, not clean, and they had to stay away. And sometimes what would happen is what you would get from this gospel text, you would get people who were gathered around each other who were cast out of their town because they weren't clean. And so where else are they going to go but people that also aren't clean? They gather around together. And when you look at this disease, it looks a lot like what sin does to us. 
Sin is a corruption of our flesh. It is a disease that we are born with, that we are given all the way back from our first, our first parents, our first parents, when they fell from grace and were cast out of the garden. And you see that sin has a way of corrupting us, of hurting us in ways that we don't even imagine and that we can't even feel sometimes. That when you sin in certain ways, the first time you try it, you may be a little scared, but if you get away with it, Eventually, it gets easier and easier and easier, and the pain of that sin gets less and less and less. Your conscience becomes more and more dull to where if you say a little white lie and no one calls you on it, well, I wasn't so bad. Next time, it gets easier and easier. You say a little bad thing about somebody behind their back, they don't find out, oh, good deal. Seems like it's not that hard to get away with. And so sin has a way of making us just decay without even realizing it. It has a way of having us waste away. And in some sense, it would be better to have, to have it, would, it would be better to have leprosy because then at least we could see what's going on. We could see that we're just falling apart at the seams, literally, and that everybody else can see it. But unfortunately, sin is tricky. It's, it's hidden most of the time, deep within us, and it comes out at certain points in time. Sometimes it happens when we're all by ourselves, and only we see it, right? But what should we do about this? Well, it's interesting that the Old Testament has laws for this, and Jesus says that that's so, right? He, he gives credence to this when they call out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looks at them and he says to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Meaning, go and show yourselves because by the time you get there, you'll be cleansed and the priests will do their job in saying you are clean. Now go back into society, go back to your home, right? And it's amazing that out of these 10 people, one comes back. One comes back and with a loud voice praises God and gives him thanks and he falls on his face at Jesus' feet and thanks him. And Jesus says, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give thanks and, and give praise to God except this foreigner? To give praise to me, right? He's calling himself God here. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has saved you. It says made you well in our translation, but the Greek word means saves. Your faith has saved you. Now, we as Lutherans read something like this, and if we're talking about sin, and you have someone tell you, rise and go your way, your faith has saved you, what do we do? What is, well, no, it, it's, not my, it's not my faith. If Jesus were here and said, go your way, your faith has saved you, 
it would be almost right for us to say, no, 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 Lord, Lord, my faith didn't do anything. You did it. You saved me. To which Jesus says, that's exactly right. Go your way. You believe rightly. Your faith holds on to what's true. And that's all that faith is, right? Sometimes we say, um, we have faith. I'm a man of faith. I'm a person of faith. I believe these things. And you say, well, okay. I, and my folks that come to Concord class, they know what I'm going to say next. <laughs> when someone says, oh, I'll, I'll be okay. I have faith. I always challenge people to say, well, it doesn't hurt to ask, well, faith in what? What is your faith in? Because faith by itself is simply just trust. And if you say, oh, I'll be okay, I trust, I trust, does that make a lot of sense? Your trust has to hold on to something, right? And for us, our faith, our trust holds on to the word of God. It holds on to that word made flesh, Jesus Christ, that comes and tells us, you are cleansed. Go your way. Your faith that trusts in what I've just said has saved you, right? It holds on to the grace that saves you. And so often, we may come to church on Sundays, and we may go through the hymnal, and say the confession of sin, and hear the absolution. And I wouldn't be surprised, trying to be as charitable as I can here, but I wonder how many people really are giving thanks and praise to God for exactly what happens in that time when they hear, your sins are forgiven. Knowing human nature, I would imagine that it would be like one out of ten are really, really giving thanks and praise for what God has done. Because oftentimes we hear these things and we don't necessarily see it, right? Like the other nine, as they went, they were cleansed, but maybe they just didn't realize it. They had become so numb to certain things that they didn't know what to do, right? You hear these words that say, that in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That you hear these things and you don't quite know what to do with it. But if there's any encouragement I can give to you, it is follow the example of the man who turned and fell down on his face and gave thanks and praise to Jesus as God, literally worshiping Jesus. Because that's what he does. He saves us. When we don't even realize the sins that we've committed because we've just gotten so numb to doing it all and all the time. But sometimes we need to be told exactly what Jesus does for us. And what he does is he cleanses us. He washes us clean he makes us no longer the outcasts that we are by ourselves, and he brings us back to his fold. And now, what do we do with this? Because if I was just to stop there and say, all right, so Jesus washes you clean, let's just get on with the service. I wouldn't be really preaching to you the whole counsel of God because 
other places within the text that we have for today talk about exactly what it means for us to rise and go our way because our faith has saved us through Jesus Christ. That Paul says in Galatians 5, walk now by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Right? That our way, when we rise, when Jesus says, rise and go your way, your faith has saved you. Now we don't just go, all right, great, going back to sin. No. We say, all right, great. I now have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me, and he guides me, and he helps me wrestle and drown the old Adam so that that new man that is promised to me in my baptism will rise and live forever in purity and blessedness. Because now we are new creations. Every time you hear you are forgiven, every time you hear of what Christ has said to you in that he has washed away your sins, you are renewed. You are strengthened to go and to walk and to do the things that God has called you to do. We heard... um, last Sunday about the Good Samaritan, right? And the things that he has done. Elsewhere throughout Scripture, we hear, according to God's word, how we can keep our way pure. We said it this morning in Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word, O Lord, right? God's word gives us the way to walk. Keep hold of instruction, do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. The instruction that tells you that Christ has died for you, and now you live as a new creation, walking and doing and saying the things of God, according to his good will and his good grace, right? That spirit keeps you from going down the path of the, of the wicked, It helps you avoid it, to not go on it, to turn away from it, to pass it on, right? Solomon, when he writes to his son in his Proverbs, he says, My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Now, we as Christians know that our hearts by themselves are deceitful by themselves. And yet God has turned our heart of stone into a heart of flesh because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. And now, knowing that, we walk as children of the light. We walk in the Spirit, and we do not gratify the desires of the flesh not trying to make up for certain things, but understanding that we are changed, we are different. God has done this great work in us, and he continues to do that work by the Spirit through us. And I love this from Galatians chapter 5, and verse 24. St. Paul tells us a great way to keep in mind how we might fight against temptation when sin or People try to tempt us to sin, 
to go into a certain way we shouldn't go? That when Paul says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, what does that mean? It means that the flesh that would go and do what it wants to do literally cannot. Because what happens, and Luther says this, it's a great thing, what happens is that when you are tempted to sin and the Spirit reminds you, no, you are crucified, your flesh is fastened to the cross, literally, the feet that would lead you into sin can't go there. They are nailed to the cross. Literally, the hands that you would use to do something sinful can't do it anymore because they're fastened to the cross. Remember these things. And if it helps you, if someone says, come, let us do some, something bad, right? They're not going to say, oh, it's going to be bad. They're going to say it's really good. Come, let's do something really, really good. But you know in your heart, according to God's law, it is sinful. Just say, I can't. I can't. Right? My hands are tied to the cross. I can no longer do these things. And so, you won't. Again, not by your own power, but according to the Spirit. And therefore, you will bear fruit. Again, not by your own power, but by the power of, of the Holy Spirit. That he guides us and he points us to Christ. He reminds us what Christ has done. And he reminds us that now that we are saved, we rise and we go our way. For our faith in Jesus Christ has saved us. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.